Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am back in the saddle, cranking it out. Not literally on my bike, cranking it out because in fact, I haven't been on my bike since I did the Boulder Peak try a couple weeks ago, but I'm talking figuratively. Somehow the summer is winding down. And this was maybe the first summer that I really felt what it was like to have a little kid school-age kid in the summertime like schedules are crazy you go week by week and sometimes day by day on how you're managing the moment and it requires a lot of coordination with your partner so uh, we're doing okay not the best it was a good trial Wilder starts kindergarten in the fall but still I every summer I always say, how does it happen? How does it go so fast? I know you're shaking your heads because you can relate because you often probably think the same thing. And I think it's probably always been this way. But like I said, once you have kids, it even magnifies things even more. And when I was pregnant, I was mentioning to someone how time was flying by. And she said, just wait until your baby shows up. Then you'll see what it means for your life to hit fast forward. I love that phrase, and she was totally right. So it's even more important to me that I make every single day count. My very best days always include four components. On my birthday, I have to have all four. It's just one of those days where make it happen. Most days I do too. But the order of importance on the four things changes for me daily. But if I have all all four things each day my life is full and they are time with family time with friends time to work or be productive in some way and time for myself the time for myself often includes my workout so time for myself brings me to this podcast because this is not work to me this is a me project I decided to create Run This World, this podcast, so I could be inspired. It was actually a selfish endeavor, plus I really wanted to meet the people behind the greatness they are putting out there in the world, and I'm doing it. Every single episode has taught me so much and opened my eyes to things I you know, didn't consider on a daily basis. I always think that if I get just one tip or trick or special something from each conversation, then it's worth it. And I hope you're thinking that too. You know, yeah, it's 45 minutes to an hour (laughs) or longer of your time. But if you just get one thing, it's worth it. One thing that really touches your soul. So I have a challenge for you. I would be so honored if you would take a moment to post your favorite episode and why it's your favorite. And you can post it anywhere you are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter, though I may not see that one because I don't really, I'm not a big Twitter person. But tag me so I can find it. And even personal message me on Facebook or reach out to me through my website email or just email me nicole.deboom at skirtsports.com and tell me you know, what you think. Um, I really, I really want to know what's resonating with you as I continue to find great people with incredible inspirational stories that will hopefully help you move your lives forward in bigger, better ways. So here's your challenge. Post your favorite episode and say whatever you want to say about the podcast. Um, I really want to get the word out there because, like I said, it's a me project and I want it to keep going. So hopefully we'll continue to grow the following and get more support. So speaking of, 
Our guest today is a very strong, very brave woman who's been through hell and is out the other side. Becky Piper was an aspiring elite triathlete when at age 26, she was severely beaten and left for dead in a home invasion. Four years later, she is still paralyzed on the right side of her body, but has defied the odds and is getting ready to compete in her first ever 70.3 triathlon on Saturday in Boulder. Not kidding. Her story is something you read about, but you never imagine it could happen to you. What I love most about Becky is that she is incredibly open and honest, but she's also what I might call a no bullshit kind of girl. She tells it like it is. She's very logical and practical, and she uses her experience to move forward instead of dwelling in the past. This is a tough but powerful interview, so get ready. And with that, let's bring her on. Okay, so you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, hey. Becky. Oh my gosh, so glad you're coming on the show today. Thank you for coming out to Boulder. Oh, I, I thank you for having me. What, so much. What was really funny is, you know, I was working at our store on Pearl and uh, 28th Street. And I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. I've got this amazing podcast interview I have to do in like 20 minutes. I hope nobody comes in asking about me. And suddenly I hear the door open and I hear this voice and she's like, you know, I'm getting interviewed for Nicole's podcast in a few minutes. I really thought I should update my skirt wardrobe. (laughs) So I burst out of the back and had to come see you. Yes, I decided to use this interview as a good reason to update you know because I just had to have the latest skirt (laughs) obviously (laughs) well no matter what um well first of all it looks amazing on you you got the lioness oh I know I love the frills it's one of yeah and that's all that's that's you you know it's got some character you're not gonna (laughs) blend in with that style on well I will tell you the very first time I talked to you um I knew immediately that we needed to share your message with the world. And this message is one that you never imagined would be your message. Nope, didn't really have a guess I'd ever be going through this. (laughs) I know, And, um, and what struck me from the very beginning is how positive and upbeat you are and that your outlook on life, despite all the things you've been through and probably will go through in your life, like all of us, um, have been difficult. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's take people back a little bit here. Okay. Let's go back in time so they really understand what we're talking about because we all get to the point where we are in our lives um, through experiences. Some things happen to us. Some things we make happen. Um, you had a defining experience occur four years ago, mm-hmm. and it's not the easiest thing to talk about. But if we don't lay the framework for it, I don't think we can have as productive of a conversation <laughs> today and help other people who are going Probably through things. Not, yeah. So why don't you take us back four years and tell us what was Becky Piper doing? Well, four years ago, Becky Piper was she was just living life i mean she was racing triathlons she was not an elite triathlete but i was i was getting pretty close um i was living in guam which is other side of the world uh with my husband he was active duty military um and so all this stuff is just happening just i'm living life and uh, suddenly, one night, I was the victim of a home invasion. Um, three guys came up to my door, and I, you know, naively answered it and was like, Oh, hi, how are you guys? And they didn't really so much want to talk. More so, they wanted to steal my stuff. Um is, is this common in Guam? Like, were no. you prepared at all that something like this no. might happen? Actually, the violent crime rate for being Guam um, is really, really low. Um, and actually, all the people of Guam knew about this and were looking for these guys because there was going to be some vigilante justice if they found them. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that they didn't. <laughs> 
because you know the police got them then and but uh but yeah to go back um you know they they severely beat me they hit me over the head really solidly with a gun um they didn't shoot me though which is you know great um but they caused my brain to bleed and a brain bleed blood basically kills brain cells whenever it touches it um so i was unresponsive lying on the floor for who knows how many hours after they were finished thoroughly beating me leaving me for dead um when my husband came home he subsequently freaked out um i don't really remember this part so um but let me let me pause for a minute um i know it's hard to talk about this stuff but what is you know maybe a blessing and a curse is that you don't remember it yes because yes, you, yes. do you feel like when you talk about it and i think other people who've suffered from trauma may may imagine yeah. this as you know for themselves is that you are a third person standing yeah. there imagining how it, it went it is exactly like i'm a third person um and i always have been and i've always considered it a huge blessing that i don't remember it still to this day um and it's interesting to me that if these guys left you for dead and they had a gun, why didn't they kill you? Like, make it happen. Yeah, I know, right? I, I do not have an answer for that one. I mean, thank, thank God they didn't. Okay, I this is know. A, that's not why I bring that up. It's just the psychology of why, why the violence, you know? I, I'm not sure that's what we want to talk about, but I'm sure you've learned and studied a little yeah. bit on this topic as well. Yeah, yeah. I have actually cuz you know I wanted to know why they would want to do this and I can't I can't find an answer. Um besides they were just evil. They were the very f- few I mean very few people in this world are that evil and I just happened to meet three of them. Oh my gosh. And was there any signs of sexual assault? Um there weren't. I did undergo a rape kit. Um, and it came back negative, so that was... Wow. Um, but I'm not going to say... You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't remember anything, so... Yeah. There we go. Yes. So your husband comes home, and yes. f- and these guys have cleared out your house, I take it. Um, basically, they, they took my computer, our camera, um, I think our roommate's computer bunch of clothes i don't know some wow eighty dollars from the top of the fridge wow so it wasn't like uh it was worth it for them to take someone's lives someone's life to take this sparse smattering of you know home yeah. of goods not really not wow. really i would have just given them the computer and the camera i would have been like here take them right um, Wow. Okay. So your husband came home and found you, and yep. what happened next? Uh, he freaked out and called nine one one. Got an ambulance up there real quick, and they rushed me to the hospital. Um, they induced a coma, and I was I was in that coma for three days. Um, then when I woke up. I was completely paralyzed on my right side. Like um, like how to okay so your whole right side of your body like you were split right down the middle right down the middle it all has to do with the brain you know like they injured the left side of the brain which affects the right side okay okay so it it was literally like right down the middle i can even like i can tell on my abs like my abdomen um that i I'm tighter on the left side than the right side. Oh, wow. It's weird. Okay, we'll have to look at that later. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, and it's, you know, when I met you, clearly, like, you have limited mobility in your arm and your your foot, right? Yep. But for practical purposes today, you're walking, you're moving, you're talking, you know? And, And if probably I studied you, I would see more and more the differences and the things that you've had to really battle and fight hard yes. to correct. But as you as you lay there in the hospital bed, well, were you diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I'm sure you learned a lot about TBIs then. Oh, yes. So what's the prognosis for this? Do they say, here you lay, and this is how you'll be? Or do they say, like, here's the path you can take to get back to some level of what you used to consider normal? Okay. Uh, well, it's <laughs> it's really funny. Um because it's the brain that is entirely injured, not the body, they really have no idea how I'm going to progress. I mean, at first I was told that if it's not back at the two-year point, it's gone for good. And then at the three and a half years, so almost twice as long after the two-year point, the three and a half year point, I felt temperature again in my arm for the first time. Wait, that came over two years later? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh my gosh. Um, So obviously the two-year point is thrown out the window um, because I, you know, You're continuing to progress, yeah. Um, I think it's basically like if you keep the neuroplasticity uh, going, you're going to keep seeing improvements. So what's, uh, what's neuroplasticity? I, it's really scientific. It's something to do with like the, basically, if you're exercising your brain, mm-hmm. you're going to see improvements. And it can keep opening new pathways. Yes. 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 Opening new pathways. That's a good way to put it. Let's quote that. Yes. <laughs> opening new pathway, pathways. So um, it, it, I think when we first spoke, you said it was akin to a stroke. Yeah, it actually manifested itself exactly like a stroke would, um, with the right side having. Uh, technically, it's called hemiplegia. Okay. Um, or hemiparesis is mm-hmm. the, the other term for it. Um, I think one has to do with it's weakened, and one has to do with it's paralyzed, and I don't know which is which. But so you, you know, I want to hit on one thing too, and this is your relationship with your husband through all this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. He found you. I would imagine maybe he's gone through PTSD even as far as uh, having had to see the person he loves most in this world in a state where maybe he even thought you were dead when he found you. Yeah. Um, He actually has not gone through anything. I think he has been, he's been a rock through this whole thing. he was able to, as, as soon as he knew I was going to be all right, well, all right, quote unquote, um, he was more like, okay, well, her goal is going to be to run again, so let's figure out how she's going to run again. And this is even while I'm still, you know, just woken out of the coma. Um, <laughs> he knew you that well. <laughs> he, he knew me well. He knew I wanted to run again. Um, okay, so the interesting thing to me, too, is that relationships have to evolve through, you know, traumatic events, right? Yeah. And there are some stats that show that couples who go through tough things, like what you went through, uh, like losing a child, yeah. um, you know, other hard things in their lives often don't make it. Like the divorce rate is really high. So I find it really interesting that it seems as if your relationship might have gotten stronger it honestly it did i think and it that's really weird but uh it did get stronger so how do you have any advice for people like how do you maintain a connection or uh, you know how do you communicate with your spouse in a way that can can keep it tighter and stronger when you go through the hard things i think honestly it's just being open being honest being you know, finding humor in a horrible situation. I mean, there's like, my husband made it a challenge for me to like smack him with my right hand. And I couldn't even move my right hand at first. He was like, you can hit me, but only with your right hand. So I worked at it and one day I hit him with my right hand, you know, obviously not very hard. It was kind of more like a tap and I was like, yeah, I can do it. And he was like, oh, I never should have said that. Okay, you can't hit me with your right hand anymore either. Um, but yeah, it was. It, we just find humor in situations and... Well, I think that's a really good point. I know that um, it personally my husband and I have also been able to use humor to get through the t- some of the tough stuff. 
but sometimes that humor can fade and it can turn into defensiveness and other things. So, um, you know, I, if you have any other secrets, I think this, this is such a yeah. really important topic for people. Yeah. Be, just be open. Like, honestly, it's like if, if one of us would go too far and the other is just feeling really defensive and gets, you know, all up in their grill, mm-hmm. you could say, um, like, just take a step back and be like, hey, listen, I need to take some time. I'm going to, you know, I would probably go for a run, but I need to, yeah, I don't even know, um, have a cup of coffee and just breathe and then I'll come back when I'm logical. Um, I think people speak too much in emotion. It's mm. um, a really good point. And they could, if, if, if they brought logic into the situation, um, it's really, really beneficial for both parties. I agree. I love that point. And by the way, you mentioned drinking coffee. Oh, yes. So uh, <laughs> so you clearly are a high energy person. <laughs> but um, as soon as we were getting ready for the interview, I said, what do you want? Coffee, tea, water? Oh, I'll take a coffee. Yeah. And you're sitting here sipping amazing instant coffee from Alpine Start. Oh, my goodness. It is so good. I love it. Never would have thought, huh? Mm-hmm. I know. I love nope. this company, too. And I'm sitting here drinking a little tea from the Tea Spot, mm. which is one of our previous podcast guests as well. So there you go. You can have a little bit of caffeine to also help push you onto that positivity path, right? Yes. Yeah. Always <laughs> helps. So let's talk a little more about your recovery here. Okay. So you went from doctors saying you're paralyzed straight through your body on the right hand side. We have no idea how far you're going to get, but probably in the next two to two and a half years is going to be kind of your max, right? Right. So how do you start, like what went through your mind when you heard that? Did you ever get depressed? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got, you know, depressed. I had, I have PTSD. Um, I have anxiety, um, I have everything, but honestly, I, I don't have to medicate myself for it because I can just exercise it out, which sounds really hilarious. Um, it sounds like I'm a crazy exerciser, but it's just take five, just takes five, it, it just takes five minutes of me being like, Hey, just need to work this out. Um, and that can bring you know like i was talking about before the logic back to the situation and it stills your mind yeah yeah it does it really really does there's something about the magic and i know that there is chemistry behind this too and studies have shown that exercise can put you in a positive state of mind yep it's the Um, biggest antidepressant i am absolutely floored have you ever had medicine nope whoa Oh, wait, like, do you mean, like, for the... Yeah, for the incident. Like, did you get on depression meds, like, right afterward? No. Wow. Because I was just like, all right, this, look what I got. I got to deal with it and go. Wow. Um, Would you say that having a support network, even your husband and beyond him, has been important? Oh, very important. Um, They've been crucial. So who's your network? Um, starts with Sam. He's my husband. And then it goes out to my family and his family and everybody that's, you know, that close to us um, and takes a step out to our friends. I know with brain injury, a lot of people say that they lose all their friends because they do change personalities. I was fortunate enough to keep my personality. It's just stronger, one might say. Um, (laughs) And a lot of my friends knew exactly what was going on with me and knew that I might change just a little bit, but they're so supportive of everything I do. So for somebody, if if, uh, a friend of yours had something like this happen and they're laying in the hospital bed, what advice do you give her when she opens her eyes? I would say, I am so sorry this happened to you. 
Like what options does she have? She has the option of staying there and, you know, being who she is now or getting up and starting her new self and really building on that and being like, okay, we're going to grieve for the old you having died or having, you know, changed, um, but we're going to build this new, exciting, different self. That is, it almost brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because we we redefine ourselves throughout our lives. Yeah. We don't often have extreme events that make us do it. Some days we just wake up and realize we're not the same anymore, yeah. you know? And uh, we could all use a Becky Piper to come over and be a voice <laughs> in our ear that says, okay, it's time. Let's start rebuilding. Yep. So, okay. So how do you move forward as the new you? So you're, you were the Becky Piper, living life, you're elite triathlete, you're the husband is uh, active duty military, you're living in Guam, you're young. You were like in your late 20s? I was 26. 26 when this happened, oh my God. And so now you're 26 in a day and you're a new person. How do, and who is that new person? How do you even define it? I define it by actually one thing I said in the hospital. Um, the first, the first phrase I was able to utter clearly and understandably was, "Well, try harder." And I said that to my husband because he was, you know, trying to understand what I was saying, and he couldn't. He couldn't figure it out. He's like, "I'm so sorry. I don't know what you're saying." And I was just like, "Try harder, then." And then he got it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah, he clearly understood me. The whole room was silent. And then everybody started laughing. So the new you is, that, that try harder mm -hmm. epitomizes the new you. Just you have to try harder yeah. in the things you do. Yeah. And uh, actually, there was another time in the hospital where, you know, I asked the doctors if I was going to be able to run again. And when I could run again, they're like, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know if you can. And, and without missing a beat, I was like, that's okay. There's a Paralympics for a reason. Oh, my gosh. And it's it takes such perspective and, and grounding. Tell me a little more about your background and how you grew up to have such a strong self-confidence. I, I really... It's, it's really weird because I, I had a little bit of a different background. Um... My father, he wasn't there, but he wasn't there. He was kind of narcissistic and, uh, you know, he was, he very much so was self-evolved and everything was about him. So he, you know, that he left my mom and us kids to kind of fend for ourselves. And I was the oldest of six kids. Um, so I kind of became, you know... In, in my mother was obviously the mother, but I kind of, you know, became the mother's helper. Another a mother yeah. helper, yeah, uh, to her. Um, and then actually, I had another traumatic event in my life where I don't think I've ever told you this. Um, my brother died suddenly, and a, like there, I can look back at it and see that I, like under traumatic events, I become very logical. Because I was already like, all right, where are we going to sleep tonight? Where are we going to eat? We need food. Da 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 da. Um, that's just how I handle stress. Wow. So. So where? Okay. So where did you grow up? A Wisconsin. Hey, there it is. Yeah. I hear it. Yeah, there he. Uh huh. And uh, how old were you when your brother died? I was about nineteen. And was he one of your youngest brothers? He was the second from the youngest. And what happened? Uh, actually, it's a really nuts. Another sad story. He um, he he uh, ended up committing committing uh. suicide. Um, we don't know if it why he would have done that, but you know, wow, it's, it's in the past. Well, it's a very important topic, yeah. and especially today more than ever. Yeah. And it's only been just ten years for you. Yeah. And uh, that is a whole nother podcast episode, but I can oh, understand yes. how it creates compassion and I can see how logic 
could become your guiding force through times like that. Mm-hmm. It gives you something to do that you can control. Yes. Um, I'm really sorry like ha- that you've had to go through that. And yeah. some may say your, your childhood was tough, you know, in some ways. But it also got you here and to be the beautiful optimist that is probably what I will call this episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Are you close with your family still? Yes, yeah. I am. I, as we grow older, all of us siblings and my mom get solidly close. Every every event, everybody has to go through, whether it's good or bad, it's still stressful. We rally around that person and um, really just give them... Lots of prayers, lots of hugs, lots of communication, mm-hmm. and help each other out. Is there a special trait or something you would say to your mom that you know helped bring you to where you are? Um. Well, the woman has been through some tough times, and it's it's. She's really helped me because she's uh she's a little bit more emotional so she can really bring that perspective mm-hmm. to me where if I'm extremely logical, you know, I might not have that emotion. Um yeah. And she can counterbalance me that way and yeah. It's really awesome. Oh, uh, it just it sounds like you you got closer with your family through the tough things that happened and your dad leaving in the end, you know, it's just what it was. Yep. Whether good, bad or, or what, um, it helped create who you are. Yep. So, you know, one thing that I'm going to kind of go back to the moment here and in your recovery, you mentioned your speech. (laughs) Yes. And I know that, um, you know, people who suffer from traumatic brain injuries can sometimes come out and they speak gibberish for a while or this or that, and you have to retrain yourself how to speak. Was that a difficult process? Oh, it was very difficult. My husband, like along with, you know, the humor aspect, he likes to refer to this as I was speaking Martian. Uh, <laughs> and I tell him that I was just, you know, preemptively prepping him for when he goes to Mars someday. Uh, and meets the uh, local Martians there. Which um, could actually happen. Yes, it could. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was so difficult to, to learn to speak again. Um, luckily, I was I, I had a lot of my speech come back. Um, it, it's it's called expressive aphasia, what I technically was diagnosed with. Um, and it does rear its ugly head uh, usually when I get tired at night. And usually Sam's just like, well, nobody can understand Becky right now, so we're going to go to bed. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yes. Checking out. Yep. <laughs> night. And pretty much everybody just goes with it. Well, in the end, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah. You know, and you'll probably continue to evolve. And who knows where that's going to go down the road. Yeah. You could go into hyperspeed and become like have the best uh, speech of anyone in the world, right? So yes. can it advance beyond where you were before? <laughs> I'll um, be an eloquent public speaker. They can be like, I did not always speak an intelligible language. Yes, perfect. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> so do people, when, when people see you, you can see a physical disability, right? Yeah. So do people treat you differently? I, you know, I'll say a handful of people do, and they very much so annoy me. Um, and honestly, I've been like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you treating me like this? And they've been like, oh, I'm because I feel so sorry for you because you're hurt and you're disabled. And I'm like, so? <laughs> I don't need your help. But mostly, most of the people have... You know, they're they're stunned when they first see me. Um, I am really weirdly disabled. Um, but as soon as they meet me and realize that I am not going to accept their help, 
I don't. And these are mostly people that you've known before that you're referring to? No, most of them are, well, yeah, the people that, like, can can change really quickly and just be like, oh, that's Becky. Um, those are people I knew before, especially. Mm-hmm. And yep. most of the people I meet now, um, every now and then I meet somebody new that's just kind of... yeah. And but what about even like at the grocery store or whatever? Do kids, can you see them kind of looking like wondering? And oh, what do you, yeah. Do they ever say anything? Kids are hilarious like that. Yeah, I've had one or two saying, oh, what's wrong with her? And I'd, I'd just be like, oh, I'm, a, I'm like half. I'm a half person. Or I'm, I'm not really a half person. That doesn't really sound right. Um, we'll come up with I'm like a I'm like a half awesome person. Meaning my right sides is awesome. Yeah, um, I love it. Um, but whatever, it, I'm usually just out in the open with it. Yeah, you know, we. Um, I interviewed one of our mutual friends, Emily Harvey. Oh, I love Emily. Emily's great. And uh, her whole message, she's a, an amputee athlete. Yes. And her whole message was rock your differences, man. Yeah. We've all I mean, got them. Rock them. You got it. You got to rock them. Yeah. Got to do it. Absolutely. So do you see the world differently? Did you have that sort of wake up clarity of like, wow, the grass is greener and the sky is bluer and now I have more gratitude for being here in this world? Um, I think, I think one of the biggest differences is I, I can see a little bit more of reality. Um, I used to be very, very, very naive. Um, I mean, I opened the door to three guys late at night. I mean, how naive am I? Um, but now I see the real nature, you know, there are evil people in this world, but I choose to be happy and I choose to live life as if it all was good. Um, so being happy is a choice people can make. Yeah. Yes, yes. And how do you do that? If you're unhappy, how can you just choose to be happy? It's really hard. I, I do, you know, I, I say it's choose to be happy with a grain of salt. Um, because I know it can be very, very difficult for some people. And some people may not be able to find that path that was really easy for me to find. Um, but I honestly, I, I believe that, just remind yourself that there are so many good people in this world. I mean, that's the first step. Yep. And at heart, we are all good. And the people listening here, they're listening because they want to tap into parts of themselves that they didn't know existed. And so thank you for being open and honest about what happened to you and where you're going. You mentioned that the three men were finally apprehended by the police. Are they in jail now? Oh, for life. Really? Well, Well, pretty much for life. Till they're like 90 some years old yeah and i'm not really afraid of a guy in a wheelchair right so <laughs> i'm good yeah you got this um and did that feel like a relief to you it was a relief not necessarily for me but for my friends that lived in guam i was like good they're off the streets so they can continue living yep and did you ever get an understanding? Did any of them admit why they would do that? No, they wouldn't say why. Mm. One of them still hasn't even admitted to it. He thought we were, or he said he was moving our furniture, and that was his defense. And I was like, we didn't buy any new furniture, and we lived there for 10 months. Nice try, buddy. Yeah, it's, um, but your point coming back to the fact that most people are good people, that's why you open the door. Yeah. Because, you know, why do we have to feel like we can't open our own doors at night? Yep. It's a, it's a sad world that that yeah. is the way it is. And now I, like, I might not choose to open the door at night. I'd probably honestly call Sam, my husband, and be like, Sam, there's somebody at the door. And he, he could answer the door. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, our door is still going to be open to those people. Just we'll have him do it. 
<laughs> You'll have an extra person to help out. Um, if Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing today. Okay. So you are a coach, USA Triathlon. Yep. Sure certified am. coach and you were before the incident as well i was not um during the incident like i well not during the during my recovery you know i couldn't be as active as i wanted to so i was like yep yeah, all right i'll you know get my coaching license and was that um a challenge to get it yeah it was a challenge but meh, i'll overcome yeah stuff Absolutely. So so as a job right now, or explain what you do. What do you do these days? I coach for Team MPI. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Team Multisport Performance Institute. And they are fantastic. Um, and I really, really specialize in a lot of the people that didn't necessarily think they could do a triathlon, but they're wanting to try and they want to try in a way that they won't get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people, I just, I relish. I love working for them. Um, why? Why? What's What's so special about that group of like beginners and people who may be a little more afraid or vulnerable? Because I think they're they're different. They're fun. Um, I like the challenge. Yeah, they're not as serious right off the bat, but it matters. Like, no, it, not right off the yeah. bat. But then, as as I take them through through triathlon, through the first one, through the second one, they get hooked by the triathlon, and uh, they get addicted. Yeah, and I love to see that, and I love to reach those goals with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of passion there because the goal is still equally meaningful they're just going at it from a much more basic path. They're not super competitive and trying to shave 10 seconds off and worried about transition. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that's the oh. fun group. I agree. I love those people. Love so, them. Tell me more about Team MPI. What's so special about them? Well, they're actually, I originally met them through uh, Challenged, Athlete Fonta- or Challenged Athletes Foundation's their paratriathlon camp. Oh, great. Okay. And I was, you know, when I did this camp, I was fresh off recovery. I really could not run. I I was bicycling, but only on my mountain bike because that has a little bit of wider tires. Yeah. Um, and my swimming was hilarious. Um, and eventually I uh, got them as coaches. So I was being coached by Team MPI uh, because they're very good also at the paratriathlon end. And that's another uh, realm of people that I really, really am, you know, driven towards yeah. paratriathletes. Because again, I like a challenge. And really, they're, we're no different. Um, Just, I think you have a set of emotional tools as well as physical tools that you can really relate and they can tap into you in a way that maybe somebody who hasn't endured what you've endured, you know, can. Right. So I completely right. understand that. I think it's it's a really special relationship you're able to build. Yeah. I can build that, yes. <laughs> it's a little bit funky. Me and the, the, my people I coach is relationships. But uh, yeah, it's very, very special. Awesome. Um, so you're racing soon. What's your upcoming event? <laughs> Boulder 70.3. What? Oh, and that's coming up this Saturday. So the podcast, theoretically, is going to go live on Friday. Oh, wonderful. So we're going to give you a hip, hip, hooray, big old cheer, and everybody's going to be following you. Oh. Amazing. So how ready? Have you done a 70.3 since the accident yet? Nope. Haven't actually done a seventy point three before the accident. Oh, so this it's is un- uncharted. Yes, it's uncharted territory. <laughs> wow. So, what are you most uh, nervous and or excited about? Um. Well, I'm a little bit nervous for the swim, but that's just because of the people, and I tend to be a little bit claustrophobic when I when I'm doing the actually act the actual athletic event can um, you um swim only then with your left arm and your left leg no my 
right arm, like, I do have shoulder capability okay. now. Mm-hmm. I've rebuilt those pathways. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I can fling that arm around. Oh, so you kind of do a, a modified freestyle? Yes. Oh, yes. wow, cool. If, if you... If you can picture the fist drill in swimming, yes. it's basically swimming with fists. Uh-huh. I say I'm constantly doing fist drill on that side because I just swim with just a fist and then my <laughs> left side does the actual nice um, stroke. I feel like it is such a mind-blowing concept that you are literally, your brain is telling your right arm to move in a circle. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it, it at this point the pathway can only trigger the shoulder so it gets you as far as it can yep it kind of flips your arm up in the air yep isn't that just yep wow yes and you know because you live it (laughs) so the swim's a little nerve-wracking um how like are you quite a bit slower i would think than before do they have uh limits that you have to be worried about hitting cutoffs oh yeah i have to hit the same cutoffs as everybody else yeah um We've done the we've done the math. Technically, I should be under the cutoff okay. by a, a decent margin. Yeah. Um. So I like that fact. You know, I still do have my coach, and he has told me that, you know, I'm I'm under the cutoff. I am. So. Yeah. Great. I shouldn't worry about it. Great. Well, you can't. You just need to go out there and go one step at a time. That's the joy of racing. And that's the point that you made at the beginning about how exercise can help you stave off the depression and anxiety and the other things that come with this. Yes. Because it just helps you focus on the moment. Yes. Maybe that's why I'm so happy because I'm exercising so much for this dang thing. (laughs) So, you know. You're definitely on the high. I love <laughs> Very it. Very happy. Good. Well, we are definitely going to be rooting for you. And oh, thank uh, I you. know you are going to get across the finish line. <sighs> thank you so much. So tell me, too, you have a special um, leg brace. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. It's uh, it's made by Allard. Um, and I actually have the Blue Rocker. And what it does, they have different levels of rigidity. Um, I think it's like Ypsilon, Toe-Off, and Blue Rocker. Okay. It's the heart is like the toughest, most rigid one. Um, and I am actually a co-captain. There's 16 co-captains for Team Up. Team Up is basically a national movement um, celebrating the fact that we can, with our disability, thrive. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's basically, it, it keeps my toe basically up. So you Uh have, um, is it called drop foot? Yep. That's exactly what it's called. What exactly what I was diagnosed with. Okay. And then is your like quad and lower leg, have you rebuilt pathways there? Yes. I've rebuilt. Oh, the quad is very strong. The quad wants to help awesome. with everything. Yeah, which can be a problem too. Yes. It's like, <laughs> good job, quad, except you're not helping right now. Because you're helping too much. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let the other muscles get some action. I know, right? What is wrong with quad? It's very selfish. Yes. The we're quad gonna, wants to help. We're going to have to do a, you know, some kind of beat the quad challenge. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Beat the quad. <laughs> Hashtag beat the quad (laughs) so today if you could summarize your outlook on life in one word what would it be joyous wow that's a great word amazing i love it well we have uh we have definitely gone through our 5k and more in this episode (laughs) so i'm going to throw to you our final question which i ask of everybody who comes on the show And that is, if you could give our listeners one final piece of advice, one nugget that will help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would your final piece of advice be? Um, don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid not to try. I love it. Why? Because... Failure just, it happens. But if you don't even bother trying, how are you going to know where your limits are? I mean, I haven't found my limit yet. 
I very well may find my limit on Saturday. We'll find out. But I haven't found mine yet. And you know what? You may find it in triathlon on Saturday, <laughs> but you got a lot of other areas in life that you can yeah, push through some I do. new, find new limits. Well, Becky, thank you so much for coming on and for opening up. And really, I think a lot of people listening will find strength, comfort, and inspiration through what you've been through. Oh, thank you for having me. Amazing. Thank you so much. So what do you think, folks? I think Becky is friggin' one in a million. And uh, whew, after spending some time with her, I just I want to be around that kind of energy more in my life. I love her one word to sum up where she is in her life. Joyous. Seriously. I mean, you can only get there through having perspective. And that's the kind of crappy part. Can we all get there to that place where life is joyous and we feel that joyous sums up who we are without having to go through really tough stuff? I think so. It's like she said, it's it's a frame of mind. You know, just make that choice to be happy and change your frame of mind. And I love her final nugget. It's oh so true. Don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid not to try. All right, everybody. I'm going to leave you on that note. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout. And I'll see you next week.